0: I'll be too nervous too. I probably lost for words. Hello and welcome to this week's Lost for Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by my co host Jason. Jason, hi. Hello, Tom.
1: How are you doing? You alright? Yeah, good yourself? Marvellous as usual.
0: Good. And, and Dale, First welcome onto the show. Dale Whitnell. Bye. Uh, Thank you. Hey, yeah. Thank you for joining us. We uh, we just wanted to sort of catch up with you this uh, this week to sort of speak about your career. Um, obviously, you've had a, your first full season on the European Tour, if we can call it that, during a, a pandemic. <laughs> but it's been nice to, to get a, a run of starts on the European Tour after what maybe hasn't been a straightforward career so
2: far. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a challenging year. Um, obviously, I was pleased to get my uh, card at Q School. Uh, it didn't, didn't go to plan to start with uh, after having a long finished a 2019 season um, through challenge tour getting my card and then I played really poorly from the start of the season uh, missed five out of six five out of six cuts to start with and then fortunately for me the uh, pandemic came in which is actually a bit <laughs> of a blessing for me um it sort of got me to work a bit on my technique and a few things to practice and luckily I came out the other side quite strong
0: because that was one of the things that sort of had written down here was was you know you, you had you had struggled for those first few events I and mean, it almost looked like it was perfect timing that the play did get halted because i guess because you, you know i've spoken to a couple of people now that they sort of say it's really hard to make swing changes during a season because you don't have time between an event finishing on a sunday if you know if you make the cut and then trying to go monday the next following week travel etc so to have those few weeks yeah. reset
2: yeah, definitely. Uh, for, for me, I mean, obviously I hadn't played on too many tours the previous years and then 2019 was went from having sort of no status to having everything on Challenge Tour and I was playing week in, week out, going up to Q score as well um, because I won on, uh, in Belgium and then uh, it was a bit difficult to get hold of the you know, p- competing so much and not being able to work on my game technically—that's uh, probably what I found the most difficult part. But then, obviously, when the pandemic came after um, after six events, I was quite grateful, so I could sort of reset and work with my coach a little bit, uh, even if it was in my living room in and there. <laughs> uh, it was it was challenging, but it was definitely uh, beneficial for me anyway.
0: And just just to sort of, what was your thoughts? Because, we, you know, the, the the play got halted and then no one really knew what the future looked like. I had a few interviews here and, and it was sort of like, you know, we don't know when we're going to get restarted. What was your expectations of what the bubble life was going to be like on the European Tour and how did it play out in the end? Did you feel comfortable out there? Yeah, I mean, for
2: me, it was not... I didn't find it too difficult coming back. I mean, I was sat in Qatar after missing the cup on the Saturday or the Friday. I think I'd just finished and Keith Pelly came in and said, look, Kenya's cancelled and I was like oh okay like it looked like it was going to be halted for quite a while and then I went home and so obviously worked on my game and stuff but coming back out I you know with no fans getting tested every week that was a bit different obviously but in terms of actually playing in the bubble i I found it quite easy I had my girlfriend on the bag which was nice so we could you know socialize because I think that was the the hardest part the evenings because you couldn't socialize like like the guys normally would um so I could sort of basically live my home life abroad which was which was quite yeah.
0: helpful yeah that, that was one of the things i was going to say as well obviously you had your girlfriend on the bag and, and i think a couple of other players did the same didn't they because that was probably the the solution if you like to because obviously some people travel with their partners or go to and fro and you obviously couldn't do that so that is one way around it and what was that experience yeah. like was there any sort of phrase in the relationship at all during that or was
2: it was it, it was funny, like you say i mean obviously the first one back was Close house and i think there was maybe two or three girlfriend or wife caddies i mean obviously dave drysdale i think he played that week because he's got vicky on the bag obviously myself and my girlfriend um, and maybe one other maybe lauren and bryce easton but then after that it sort of fluctuated to get more so i think it sort of cottoned on that it was quite (laughs) nice to, to have somebody you know like your girlfriend on the bag more of you know having someone on the bags one thing but it's more of the evening time because you're only allowed to go out with the person for dinner, who you're staying with in the hotel. So you can't, you couldn't really mix with anybody at that point. And it was, it was quite lonely if you, I guess, if you hadn't uh, had anybody to socialize with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was the thing, wasn't it? You know, even some players are not used to traveling even with their caddies, are they? Sometimes they travel in to tournaments separately and, and like you say, you just had to be so uh, tight with the person you're with that obviously it made perfect sense for you to, to have your girlfriend on the bag. And and also, does because when I spoke to, to Chris Pays in an interview, and when he won in South Africa, he had his wife Kerry on the bag, and he said that, I said it was sort of strange that you'd gone from having a professional caddy on the bag for so many years and not winning, and then you have your girlfriend on a really good result. And he said it was just the ownership of his own game and not questioning himself and happened to really, you know, because Kerry couldn't give so much technical advice, you know, she could help. But... Because he had to own all his own game, it really helped him. And maybe, maybe you could speak on that as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've had this conversation with many people before, especially this season, because I've never obviously had a caddy before. Mm. Um, through uh, the Challenge Tour that I had played, I'd played a little bit, obviously, like I say, in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. But most of my golf that I've played is I've carried my own bag, and it's you know I'm going with what I think and not what somebody else thinks. And I think the most difficult thing that I've found having a caddy not that it's a bad thing is is the fact that if he's got an opinion or if she's got an opinion and I have it and and I think something different when do you back down and when do you go with their decision over your own decision whereas with my girlfriend she didn't really play she doesn't really play golf so it's quite easy she just she just gives me confidence in what I'm what I believe in and and we sort of went from there and it it was obviously worked in closed house and it was I played lovely so can't really
1: complain. Can just in. On that subject, we see, we see you know, more and more we see caddies, uh, should we say helping, in inverted commas, players on the greens, reading putts and stuff like that. Now, obviously, given the importance of that part of the game, as a player, how much, I mean, if you can answer, you can answer that. How much, of a, how much are they reliant on that caddy? Or is the caddy there to um, confirm what you think? Because you've seen it with a few people. I mean, you know, um, Callum Shinkwin is, is a classic one. He's changed now. Um, mm-hmm. But he was, yeah. I'm not saying he was reliant. But we saw it all the time where, it, unfortunately, exactly, yeah. he lost yeah. confidence on the greens, didn't he? But if you miss a putt that your caddy's telling you the line on, you may not like, believe believing. How do you feel as a player sort of going to the next hole, going to the next 10-footer?
2: Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And I've had this 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 sort of discussion especially on the greens but then again with with the shot making you know yardage how far the yardage is playing not necessarily just what the yardage is that's one thing but you know is it into the wind is it slightly crosswind is it not playing 150 is it playing 160 and then you sort of you know that's where I found it difficult not so much on the greens like I use I, I haven't I've never really used a green book until uh Q school um we'll probably touch on to that later on but um the Green Book's helped me a lot and it's given me more of a reference to sort of know what I believe in is the line and then it's just there for security. Uh, but yeah, I mean, on the caddies, on the greens, it's a mix, really. Some players sort of just completely just leave me alone on the greens and some are quite reliant, like Callum is now with Sam on the bag. Hmm. So it's, uh, it's quite a, a wide range, I would say.
0: Yeah, Jason, just, we've just been obviously touching upon uh, Dale's start in 2009. I know you wanted to go back to, to 2008 and even maybe earlier to some of the, the impressive amateur performances that, that Dale put in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Dale, perhaps you can sort of fill us in on, on the junior career um, because obviously we know really from 2008, 2009, obviously you won the Tillman yeah. twice. You got great performances at the Lytham Trophy. These are top performances, tied fourth at Brabazon, tied fourth at the Irish Amateur. These are proper, proper performances. What was the lead-up to that in your junior career?
2: I sort of represented my county when I was you know, quite young, as I was, uh, grew up in the same county as Ollie Fisher, and he was a good friend of mine, and he, you know, he was somebody who I looked up to, even though he was a slight bit younger than me. He was always slightly ahead of, of me in terms of uh, where he was, um, with him playing the Walker Cup for the previous uh, years to what I did and turning pro early. So I always had that as motivation. And then I actually, uh, a good story was that in when I turned, when I was still an amateur, which I probably don't know this, but I reached final stage in 2008, the year before Walker Cup. I uh, had Matt Southgate on the bag for final stage of Q School. Um <laughs> which is which is quite a funny story because people were like how how did you know why did you have Matt in the bag? i said well matt was matt looked up to me and now i'm looking up to him a little bit because he's you know he's been through some stuff um but as a junior i i never got into the england set up until i was about 16 a couple of the guys who was in my county did and i didn't and that really sort of made me want to prove people wrong i guess and it managed to work out i put some really hard F graft in Um, And then, yeah, I had some, you know, really nice performances as an amateur. Like you said, obviously, I had a a couple of wins in the Tillman Trophy. I think I won the North of England Youth twice, had a second in the Livham Trophy, won the Portuguese Amateur. I think, I mean, that obviously gives you a lot of confidence going forwards. When I finished fourth in the Irish Amateur, I played, that was the week before the Irish Open, uh, and I played with Shane in the practice round and he was you know we was having a practice round just and uh you know he's going oh, yeah so I'm playing the Irish Open my first uh, European tour event next week I went oh, okay mate yeah good luck and then obviously went on and done what he did um and uh I mean I remember that week it was absolutely blowing a gale. I think Gavin Deer won and it was like 45 50 mile an hour the first was like 400 yards and we could knock it green side and the fifteenth or something was three twenty, and I was we were in driver five iron, I think, <laughs> and it was just yeah, it was pretty crazy. But yeah, there's some good memories of the amateur days for sure.
0: Yeah, and obviously and, you talk about that as well, and and like you say, the almost like an England golf, almost a snub because you felt like other players were getting there when when you didn't, and we I suppose a couple of American guys, and they said that like they were getting into Walker Cup teams and that kind of got on their back a little bit and, and made them want to go and prove themselves on the professional ranks and obviously you did get into the walker cup team and you had the uh i guess the unfortunate thing of having to go over to to america and play because the walker cup in america is always very difficult as a I player um and you played at, at merion didn't you and it, you know it was a bit of a tough week because you play you come against one of the probably the best american walker cup teams of, of recent years just, just talk us through that week and, and how you felt there
2: um, yeah, I mean, I, obviously it was, a, it was a new experience for me. I hadn't played that much in America because a few of the guys like, obviously, Bones, Chris Paisley, who I played uh, foursomes with in one of the games, he'd obviously been to college in America and there were a couple of guys in my team that had been over to America. Um, I hadn't really played much in America, which was probably a bit of a disadvantage for me, but it was different and I, I struggled with a few things uh, and obviously... Playing against Ricky Fowler and Bud Corley was one of them, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, Pete Ulland was possibly another. But uh, at the time, I was—it was a great experience for me, uh, and I learned a lot of a lot from that. Not just on the golf course, but you know, off the golf course, mentally, and how to prepare for tournaments, and, and numerous things, which has put me in good stead to try and build a career for the future and,
0: and did you take sort of inspiration from the guys that you know because that, that list of let's just go for the american team you know brian harman ricky fowler cameron tringali morgan hoffman peter Uline, bug coolly that's, that's a lot of names and that's before you even go on to obviously chris Paisley and tommy fleetwood on your side as well you know was it was that does it i guess you know when you when you first sort of going into the pro ranks i guess you, you you sort of feel like you you know you're part of that and and you're ready to take that stage and you you want to succeed at the same level as those guys and later on in the years is it a case of like looking at those and going right well, I did play at that level with those guys and and I can get back to that at some point soon
2: yeah that was that's a good point um i i didn't really have too many expectations i knew that i was you know i could i can get it round a bit but i'd like to be able to get better on a global stage and on different golf courses different grasses I think that's where I struggled to be able to... Because playing on, you know, kikuyu grass versus bent grass versus all this sort of, you know, different types and atmospheres and South Africa, for instance, the ball goes further in Joburg and all that. It's just the more you do it, the more you get used to it and the more it becomes normal i guess to be able to adapt and you need to be able to adapt but yeah playing with all the the good guy, the the guys that are at you know like tommy and uh chris paisley you know you know they've got good careers going and there's something that i'm looking forward to achieving and i know that i can achieve and it was i always believed in myself i mean i had some had some tough times you know and i was so close to giving up that it was you know, it was devastating for me, but I managed to pull through at the right time, and it was probably when the least when I least expected it to.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Jason. You, the, you had a question on the Portuguese amateur as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I
2: just want to, you
1: know, we'll just leave 2009. Obviously, early in the year, you win the Portuguese amateur, beat Jamie Abbott again. Yeah, we're, we're talking names of players that that like yourself, Dale, could have done anything in the in sort of between 2009 and today. You know, Abbott's a great yeah. player, and it's you know those, those little margins between. Um, between, you know, being, being still playing Euro Pro Tour and, and being on the main tour are just they're minute. But, but what I wanted to point out was, obviously, you've come from behind and beat him in the playoff. And as we'll go through the years, your playoff record is very good. Uh, you've clearly got a mental strength when it comes to that. Do, do you try... I know you can't quantify it, but clearly there's something there that gives you that determination in the playoff because, as I say, it runs through your whole career.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's funny. Like, I've... I get when I'm playing well, it's. I mean, I find it more difficult to make a cut than if I'm if I'm on the border of making the cut. I'd find it more difficult to make the cut than I would to win a golf tournament. I think (laughs) that's that's something that is really strange. But when I'm, you know, if I'm going to win a, if I'm in the contention to win a tournament, I'm clearly playing well, and that's when. I sort of flow in terms of my ability and my, my coach says it all the time. He says that you just get into a zone and, you know, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to pull through. Like, I don't know how many playoffs I've had, but um, I don't think I've lost many, if any. So I can't. Yeah, it's just something in your in your blood, I guess.
0: Another thing as well, just you know, because you've mentioned in an interview a couple of times recently about the financial implications of trying to play on tour and how costly it could have been in certain times playing more events and having a caddy and things like that. Do you think that that the pressure of making a cut versus you know winning? Because, like you say, if you're playing well, okay, you've already you've made you've made money and you're going on to make more and you're playing you've got the confidence. But if you've got to grind away to make a weekend, then there's serious financial implications, I guess, of not making a cut at all. Is that something that comes into mind as well? 100%.
2: Uh, I've got no doubt about that. Anybody that says different and hasn't been in the situation that I've been in. So I think that, I, you know, obviously if you're playing well, you're in the golf tournament and, you can, and you're looking like you've got a good chance of winning. If you come second, you know, oh well, it's been a good week. You're going to earn a few quid and you're going to move on to the next week. Whereas if you miss the cut and you still got your bills to pay and you can't, <laughs> win, it's, it's pretty difficult, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that people...
0: Because I think, you know, me and Jason, we do a weekly, you know, betting podcast and, and we sort of look at guys and think, oh, you know, they haven't they haven't won for a while and are oh, they just content with finishing second and fifth and things like that? And you think, well, actually, what we probably don't realise as people just sitting at home is is how good of a feeling that is to constantly be making money and constantly churning through and have no worries with keeping cars and things like that. The You know, the relaxation of being like that versus um, the desire to win, maybe there's, there's probably not too much in it because... There's so much more pressure on making those weekends week in week out. I suppose.
2: Yeah, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, the more more weekends you can make, the better. Um, it's a bit on main tour this year. It's been a, a big learning curve. Um, but yeah, when you you know making the cut is is okay. I mean, luckily with the pandemic, we've uh, been getting um, a little bit of uh help even if we miss the cut um which is nice but um it's not official i don't think it's official prize money but um it sort of covers covers our a bit of our expenses anyway which uh which takes takes a bit of pressure off for sure um but yeah i mean just try and try not to think about it but just focus on your process and hopefully the outcomes will happen
0: well, the other thing that as well is, was it you were sort of told at the start of the year that your card situation wouldn't change next year based on this season. So does that
2: take the pressure off a little bit because it's not
0: so much of a reshuffle
2: as, as there would normally be? Yeah, I mean, when I was in lockdown, obviously, I you know, like I say, I, I hadn't really got too many, too much funds after playing you know in Australia, South Africa, fifth final, <laughs> making two thousand euros, and it's probably cost me twenty. Yeah, um, it's not, uh, it's not ideal. <laughs> um, so yeah, I wasn't. And then when they sent the email out to say that, um, you know, everybody's going to keep their same category for next season, it was like a, it's a bit of a blessing for me, and it gave me a little bit even more, you know, confidence to, you know, so I didn't have to worry as much to try and because I knew I had to do something pretty, pretty decent to be able to keep my card. If if you weren't weren't able to, uh, if the guys weren't going to keep their status, Um, so it gave me sort of the rest of the year to feel my way in a little bit more to the tour because coming out of Q school's very difficult because you are already done a, a long stretch on Challenge Tour more often than not um, up to that point. I think I did eight out of nine weeks going into Q school. Yeah. Um, and then you're sort of doing the same again, five out of six weeks in the road um, from that point. So you're sort of doing yeah 13 out of 14, 13 out of 15 weeks on the road which is a lot and then that obviously drains you so it makes it even more challenging
0: yeah just before i know we're going backwards and forwards a little bit here we're testing your memory sort of you know 2010 uh after you know you had those three starts there we had so you had a good effort at the dunhill links where i think it was a top 36 finish uh and then you finished tied yes. fourth in south africa and how just before we go into 2010, how was it finishing that final round at the Alfred Dunhill with 66? I think it's one of the best rounds of the day uh, to prepare you into that top five on
2: what was only your third start on the European Tour. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a place I've never been to. It was a, you know, when I got there, I absolutely loved it. It was, you know, like it's it's on the border of the National Cruiser Park. I love animals. You know, you could see whatever you wanted. The golf course was pristine um and it was i was just out there to enjoy myself because it was the first real opportunity you know other than the the dunhill links which i played uh before i you know obviously i i'd earned a few quid there which had helped obviously my you know going into the next few events and um yeah i think i shot shoot i think i shot like two under four under level or something the first three um and then i was coming down the stretch and i was I think I was six under playing the last. I made some good. I made a good birdie on 16, um, and then playing the last, which was a bit different to what it is today. The the tees are slightly different. I think I had four iron going into the green, and I decided to go for it, which was a, um, a, you know, probably a <laughs> bit of a decision to make. Ended up hitting it on the green side bunker, just on the right, putting it up to six foot, and just actually just missing the putt. Um, for, to shoot seven i think six was the best score of the day maybe with one other but um i got in and i was like in 10th place um and i was like oh that's, you know if i could finish top 10 i'd be absolutely over the moon and then i think coming down the stretch i think shiv Kapoor made double sean bebb made 11 um <laughs> down the last i think there was a couple of others that dropped shots and I ended up getting up to top top four and i was like I thought it was like a dream and it was you know, being 21 or how I think I was 21 at the time, give or take. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, I was obviously over the moon and picked up the biggest check to date and uh, it was uh, something to build on. And then something happened after that, which was, which was a bit frustrating was uh, the fact that I didn't get in the week after. Um, and I didn't get in the week after because I hadn't joined the tour. Um, right. And uh, at that point, you had to have joined the tour to be able to use your top five co-sanctioned for the next week. And then I ended up having two or a few weeks, quite a few weeks at home in the cold. And I probably should have gone somewhere else and practiced um, and then went out to South Africa, I think, in Joburg. Missed the cup there and played a few other events and not didn't really do too much for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, and 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 again, you spoke there about the winters, and I think that's one of the things that we see an awful lot. As you spoke about Chris Paisley earlier, and I spoke to him, and I said, "What was a big difference turning point in your career?" And he said he had a winter in Orlando where he's based now, where he played. Um, I think it was on the Hooters tour, or something something similar, where he just got some really good golfing, really competitive golf, good practice, and and we just can't get that in England, can we? It's just, you know, if we if we have winters, it's you know, we're lucky if we can get you know, a couple of tournaments on or even get through practice. And do you think that would be something now, obviously, as we're speaking to you in Florida, it's going to be important for you to be able to get some, some warm weather practice in.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I don't know if you, you guys might probably know this, but from, from the end of 2018 uh, and the beginning of 2019, I played on the Portugal Pro Tour, which was uh, where it all sort of started for me. I, I missed the cut of final stage in 2018 um and then went out to portugal and uh i think the winner of the tour chat you had to qualify for the tour championship at troia um i managed to do that um, and the winner got five challenge tour starts so that was um obviously something that i was looking at doing and ended up winning a couple of mini a couple of the events on the portugal pro tour getting to the final at troia which was actually where i won the portuguese amateur Um, (laughs) this is jason's uh, favorite little snippet where i I, yeah where i beat jamie abbott uh on the uh 18th in a playoff and 10 years later 10 years earlier obviously it happened again with me beating jamie abbott in a playoff (laughs) in 2019 to win and get my five challenge tour starts which i went and won on my third or fourth invite i think um in belgium so yeah it was uh, it was a pretty, it's a real story and i've got the two pictures i think somewhere of my um win in 2009 pointing at the scoreboard and then i've done the same picture in 2019 so it's quite uh, it's quite funny Jason, I know that, you wanted that, to cover that.
1: <laughs> I'd, I, yeah, he's nicked my thing. Yeah, I look, in, I look, I, I actually look into all of this every week. I look into some bizarre link between people, and, uh, <laughs> and they are
0: bizarre as well. I've, <laughs>
1: what I've noticed now is, yeah, okay, you mentioned Troyer. Do you and you also win um, uh, at uh, Hamworth, I believe, twice, 2016-2018. Are you the type yeah. of player that that you know We always talk about. I mean, look, like we say, we run a betting blog as well as interviewing players. Yeah, the the, the original sort of inventor of golf betting, Keith Elliott, went on about PMA, positive mental attitude. Um, yeah. Is that something that you would do? So would you look, whatever level you're at, would you look at a, a schedule or a card and go, I really like playing there? So you'd go there much more upbeat. You'd you'd be much more positive, which is why we tend to see players repeat. I know you've got the physical, so you've got course suitability. But apart from that, is it something where you you would just... In other words, are there courses you look at and go, no, I don't really fancy it this week, and therefore you would play worse as opposed to Troyer. I remember doing that, um, you know. But yeah, I mean that—that's the thing. Positive mental attitude does exist. Get ask a player.
2: Yes, uh, I mean horses for courses is a definite rule in golf. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. You, you look at any, you know, guy who's looking to have a punt or whatever. It's all uh, you know. You he's got form there. He's got form there. It is true. Like I, I mean, you, and it gives you a good you know it gives you confidence because you know you've played there before now whether you may not try as much i don't know whether you should say try as much yeah, you I still try um but places where you've probably not had the best results it does give you a little bit of a it doubt. almost yeah, like yeah, a... it gives you a doubt of like well to be to be fair like start of this year um the the, the uh start of the south african swing just gone i, I played poorly in in ramberg uh, ram park sorry um for the Joburg open um in which was one of the first ones of the year last year and then obviously i went back there this year and i actually finished 35th which wasn't a bad result for me because it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bomber's golf course and uh I ended up doing okay for me, which I was quite happy with finishing 35th there. There are weeks where you go, 35th isn't that bad. Um, whereas there are certain weeks where you go, right, this is, you know, this is your bread and butter. This is, this is what you're here for this, this week. So you sort of put pressure on yourself, but at the same time, you know, you can compete. Like Leopard Creek last week, the golf course suits me. It had the, the other week, sorry, it has changed because they've laid it all with different grass, but... Um, I think I had I think I had five doubles or something uh, and finished seventeenth and like you, I was like it was ridiculous really I should have eased, I should have been in the top I should have been top five that's the way I'm looking at it yeah. um, it was yeah it, it definitely helps having the confidence of golf courses where you played well at you so you'll
1: about, go, go sorry sorry Tom so you'll go as you say like you've got that great um, Leopard Creek form like even eleven years apart. So should mm-hmm. you, you know, all be well, go there next year, you will look at that and go, right, Leopard Creek, this is somewhere I want to, obviously it's a nice place anyway, but um, this is somewhere I want to be. I really like the course. And you would go there with far more, I, I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know if that's the right thing. You would just appreciate the course more, I suppose, really. Um, yeah,
2: I know. I think it's just, you know what you're getting and you, you sort of, you know, you can, you can adapt to that golf course well. I think that's probably the best way to put it. You know the, you know I, I could know every I know every single pin where they're going to be on the on the final day or the third, you know like and it's I just you know where people make mistakes because you get different people turn up every year like at, at all different venues and the same sort of guys the guys who haven't had the form there or the guys that haven't played there before probably make the same mistakes that you, I would have done potentially if I hadn't done my homework the first time so um it's yeah it's 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 funny really i guess
0: they the couple of times recently we said um they they mentioned that this is the first time you've been playing on the european tour uh since 2012 and it was that year that you actually played in the open championship and you made the cut that week uh finished tied 60th in the end but you you know you play really well for the first two days and how does that feel doing that on on a on a major platform
2: yeah, I mean, I was lucky to uh, qualify for the Open. The year before, I, I missed out in a playoff. I, there was three for, uh, I think there was maybe five of us for two spots at um, Littlestone to qualify at St George's, and I missed out on the last spot for me against uh, Lee Caulfield, and Lee Caulfield qualified, and I didn't. Um, which really I was gutted about. Um, So I had to try and make amends Um, and went to to Hillside the year after and I absolutely loved Hillside. It was, uh, again, it's a funny place. Uh, It's a great golf course. Um, I played Boys Home Internationals there. I don't think I lost a match Um, and went there at um, open qualifying and shot four under, five under and won the qualifying and off we went to rural living which is obviously another place where i i, I quite like
0: <laughs> yeah and as you say it's a, it's got good fond memories for you but did you feel a different pressure playing on that stage as opposed to what you've done before because obviously i know previously you were sort of had limited starts and you, you know like you say it's financial implications it's worrying about getting cards but, but then you get to there and you've got to that stage out of really qualifying well and and what does it feel like playing in a major championship and having all the sort of players that you're not really used to having around you seeing those all the way around the course um.
2: So yeah, I I liked it. I enjoyed it. I I went and said to my caddy, I said, look, I said, let's just you know let's just enjoy the week. You know, whether it's good or bad, let's just have fun. And that is um, something that that played a big part to probably playing all right. I mean, I, I played good for the first three days. I struggled on the last day, um, which I was disappointed about. But I managed to. I was signed with a company uh, in America, um, and managed to get a practice round with uh, Matt Kuchar and Phil Mickelson because I think Phil and Keegan Bradley were in the same management company as I was. Um, So I managed to get a couple of practice rounds with those, and it was, you know, it it gives you confidence, and they sort of, you know, help you out, sort of take you under your wing, I guess, a little bit. Um, And I tried not to. I think. Lynx golf is my favourite type of golf if I was to choose, um, and it's something that I feel most comfortable with because I'm quite I can m- I can control my ball flight fairly well, um, and it's something where I could actually look at people and I could go, oh, he's not as good as I thought, or he's he's <laughs> not really you know, yeah it's impressive like when I played with Gary Woodland and um, I was like oh yeah, he's supposed to be really long, blah, blah, blah. And then I sort of played with him and obviously they're all good players. They're just very professional in what they do, but they're not, you know, you look at them and you think, he's not like a hero. Yeah. You know, just because he's you know, top fifty in the world or whatever is an absolute world beater. Like I know what a top fifty in the world player is. I mean, I grew up with Tommy Fleetwood, so I <laughs> and and Danny Willett was my forces partner for England. So I know, you know, I know he can I know these guys can do it. So
0: Yeah, it's a case of probably not getting overawed by the occasion, but by the same sort like you say, you had those practice rounds, a couple of people have spoken about that where it really does not only give you confidence but it makes you feel like a sense of belonging and then you, you get through it around you just realize it's just another round of golf and actually everyone always speaks about links golf being a great equalizer and you just spoke about it there that you know you actually felt like you had you know more chance than others than you're looking around because of the way that you can control ball flights whereas they may have a brilliant you know long you know t-shirt or whatever but you know there's when the wind comes about and they can't control it like you can it's when you can come into your own yeah for sure and then the following week, on after that, you go to the English Challenge, and you had a good week there as well, um, you know. And just looking at that week, you finished tied twenty second. That was the same as Cyril Hatton, Stephen Brown, um, ahead of Eddie Pepperell. These are a lot of names now that we're seeing on the European tour regularly. Brooks Koepka was in that field. Chris Paisley won. You know, this is yeah. these are the people that you were playing with at that point. So as we transition out this year, this is where maybe the, your struggles maybe came to life and it was a long time before we started seeing you playing sort of the it started going to mini tours didn't it and how how tough was this period because you, you mentioned a couple of times that you did almost give up and and when was it really the lowest point in your golf
2: um obviously after 2012 2013 i played a little bit um i had one year i think on challenge tour i'm not sure the exact year you probably guys have done your research so you probably know <laughs> i played one year on, um, I didn't really enjoy it. I, I felt probably a bit on my own back. I probably felt that I was better than what I should better than what I should be playing on, um, which is pro- which is probably a bad one. Sense it's a bad thing to do because you sort of already got an excuse before you tee off. Um, but you can you know you can still get top five and go through Challenge Tour and 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 do that. But um, after that year, I decided that. I wasn't going to play Euro pro because I had a vendetta against it, I guess, sort of So I was like, no, I'm not <laughs> going to go play Euro pro. Um, if I'm good enough, I will go to Q school and I'll get my card. That was what, you know, whether it was this year, next year, or whenever it was, that was my achievement and what I wanted. That was my goal and what I wanted to do. And I thought, right, you know, this is your opportunity. Um, and I think for the next four out of five years or something, I, I think I only missed maybe maybe get into second stage once. I think I didn't get out of first stage once, and I got to second stage, and maybe missed getting to finals by probably three shots or less in every f- maybe four out of five years, um, which was frustrating. Um, and then obviously I did get it get to final stage in 2018, and then obviously I said about what happened after that. Yeah. Um, and that was obviously really difficult those those years there because I was just playing on Jamaica tour now. I love the guys at Jamaica. I think they're they're absolutely Sally and Tony. They're you know it's a great little run tour, um, and uh, they've um, they've done a great job. Um, it was just a stepping stone from there. There wasn't any, um, which hopefully they'll be able to um, get something for next year, uh, which I've been speaking to Keith Pelley about actually. But um, <laughs> uh yeah i mean it's it was very difficult i stopped playing um for a, a, a limited time not not that long i uh, went and worked up a pub um and then i got a van to do courier in about i think it was 2017 or 28 2017 maybe yeah uh, and i did a lot of a lot of courier work self-employed uh one of the guys down the golf club said this is what he does and he sort of Put me in touch with it and i said okay i think i worked me nuts off through the winter and i think i earned 15 20 grand and went and uh that's where i went to portugal for 2018 with and that was and the rest is history really
0: yeah see so jason we were speaking just off there before dale come on didn't we about those trips to q school and and the resilience you have to show to go year on year to that and, and face a disappointment and then to actually come back and do what's happened over the last couple of years especially after humbling yourself and going to do a courier job as well I like that I mean no disrespect to courier jobs but it wasn't what you had it uh, you know it wasn't your ambition at the start of the career and Jason you know we said just how impressive it was that Dale's come back and done what he's done now
1: yeah, I mean, we, we, we got a, a friend of the pod, uh, Toby Tree, who um, I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, Toby, yeah. I mean, we, we spoke. We, I've interviewed him a couple of times in, in, in print and uh, on here, he's, you know, and he's very honest, like yourself, and we're grateful for that. It's the very same thing, I think. Um, very decent amateur career. And and for whatever reason, um, he put it down to, to perhaps not working as hard as he could. Um, but really interestingly... Uh, you look at the Q School 2019. I know you won the KPMG. Again, here's another one. 2019 is really good for us. <laughs> you win the KPMG and, um, again, you win in a playoff. Uh, I, like I say, your playoff record fantastic. If you want to look it up yourself, I'll tell you it is. Um, you beat Laurie yep. Cantor, who, who, again, has yeah. come out this year like yourself and had uh, a stellar year, really. Um, and it's great. I mean, I hope you both, both kick on. You, you know, both come back from... From not the wilderness, but you know what I mean? From lesser lesser standards to actually now start approaching the standard you expected many years beforehand. Um, so that's great to see. But what I want to point out about Toby is you go to Q School, and this is fascinating. I don't know how you've got the the energy to do all this. You know, you go to Q School, Toby, I know she spoke to him, was bricking it final day. Um, he finishes 24th, yeah. mine's You I don't know how you do it, you can explain it for here. You um, you must know what you've got to do on final day going down the back nine, and you bogey seventeen to go out of the card, knowing you have the birdie eighteen, the hundred eighth hole of the tournament. Take yeah. me through it, because I-, I don't know what's going through your head.
2: Um, so yeah, going back to the green books, this is where it, this is where uh, it comes back to uh, Q School. So I was obviously I was nine under, I think I was playing the final day, um, played some solid golf. I mean, it was pretty cold. It wasn't great weather. Uh, But the last day was the best weather of the week. But obviously, you know, the sixth day, mentally, it's tough. Physically, it's tough. um, And obviously, the pins are tough uh, because they are. It's the last day at Q school. So I'm, I'm, you know, getting ready to sort of prepare myself for the the last day. And I was obviously with my girlfriend on the bag. And I said, look, I need to shoot three under today to get my card. It's, you know, I, I can't, you know, that is, that's where we're at um and obviously I get I think I was two two under playing 15 um and then um I birdie 16 um and on 16 I was looking at my green book and I was looking I think oh this is a little bit right this is you know a little bit right to left um and then uh I was looking at my green book at about 10 12 feet and I um just at the last the last foot on the green book, it had a little arrow going to the right. So I changed my mind from right off to straight and uh, it ended up moving to the left and then just at the end, it just turned right and snuck in. Um, and uh, that was that was quite big, but then obviously going to 17 was the par three. Um, I actually hit the green, actually hit it to about 30 feet, I think I was, um, playing with Wilco Nienaber, actually. Because uh, um, he was, I think we were. Um, I think I was beating him. I was beating him by one, but we we both sort of knew what we had. He had he had Dom Bott on the bag. He used to carry for um, Torbjorn, who's now on Sean Crocker's bag. Um, he hit the green as well. I raced mine about seven foot by. Uh, he was inside me. He putted it up to about twenty feet, and. Uh, he putted up from 20 feet to about a foot and a half, and he went to tap it in and he missed like, literally, oh, a, nice. like, literally a tap in and missed. Um, like one footed, you know, didn't line it up properly, missed. Um, and then I was like in a bit of shock there, like, I I was like, What are you doing? Like, <laughs> it's the most important, you know, time of your life, and you've done that. And anyway, I went on to miss my putt from about six, seven foot. So I've I'm now made bogey. Um, and he's made bogey, so he's eleven under. He's ten under, and I'm eleven under. Going down the last par five. It's tough. It's quite a tricky par five. It's sort of it's reachable for me, but it's it's still two good hits for me. I mean, Wilco's just uh, lathered a driver down there. I, I hit driver first to about I two forty five, I think two fifty flag. Um, with obviously water down the left, the wind was off the left. There's a bit of a smelly shot left in. He's at driver. He's got seven iron in. I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, it's not an equal game, is it? <laughs> yeah, easy. Easy, Uh So I've hit driver down there. I've got sort of 245. And then all I've seen, I'm standing in the fairway because obviously, you know, you're thinking this is like, you know, it's the most, probably most important shot of my career without a shadow of a doubt. And I'm standing over it and I'm thinking, and all I can see is this person coming back in a buggy. So now I've got to wait. This guy's in the, hit it in the piss or whatever he's hit it here. He's hit it on the left down the water. And he's come back and I've got to wait for another 10 minutes right in the fairway right for him to hit his shot and whatever, gets it done. So now I'm feeling like a bit stiff. It's getting cold now. It's getting towards the end of the day. I'm thinking, God, just keep yourself warm. The amount of practice swings I had just to keep warm, I thought I was going to fly. Um, so... Anyway, I've had 2.45, i said, right, this is the shot, this is it, bang. Smoked it, straight on the green, about 30 feet short of the flag, happy days. Rolled it up to about a foot short of the hole, tapped it in, it's the best relief I've ever had, until I realised that it might not be enough. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there was six, five guys I think could come in to... um, Five guys. If they played the last, if they all birdied the last, I was out. Oh, wow. Um, and if one of them made par or worse or whatever, or played the last three holes in in worse than level, worse than par or par or worse, then I was in. So Darren Fickart come in, birdie. Um, Dave Copeland, I think he was already in. I think, but he he made birdie anyway a um, couple of others made birdie the fifth guy the fourth the fourth guy I think is coming in now JB Gonnay who I played with in the first two days he's laid up I'm thinking alright oh, I've got a chance now he's wedged it up to six feet and I'm thinking
1: oh
2: <laughs> I was like this can't be happening this cannot be happening and he left it on the lip oh no and I was like wow and um, and that was it, really. Yeah, it was um, very emotional for me. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was.
1: A, it was amazing, really. I couldn't believe
2: it, and I just sort of, you know, I was, went to bed that night, and I didn't think it had happened. Um, yeah, it was, a, you know, amazing. I I can't really put it into words. No, the the the,
1: the fine margins between. It's just it is incredible, isn't it? the fine margins between that, and and it's not even in your hands that. You know, no. And I think Kohlberg, I'm, yeah, waiting on somebody else to yeah, you
2: know, Kohlberg, knock out pretty much. Carlberg
1: hit a fifty-foot putt, in, I think something like that to, to, yeah. to level you as well. Something 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 like that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Just, I, I've no idea. I mean, it's okay, I suppose, if you've if you've had a few seasons there, and um, you know, okay, you're at Q School, and you might accept it, and you go, it's fine. But you know that chance mm. of getting of getting to. And in the end, it were really weird and unique 2020 that you could, we couldn't have known back in October, November last year. Um, nah. I just got I got tremendous admiration. Like I said, I spoke to Toby, spoke to you, and, and I just think the mental strength he must have is unbelievable. I'd be just... I wouldn't be able to hold a club. It'd well, be shaking <laughs> everywhere. The, the thing but, I was yeah,
0: going to say uh... was like, was it easier? I was going to say, was it easier until I heard you go through all those emotions there? But because you'd won that event against Laurie Canter you'd shot was it 22 under par for the last 3 days to win that challenge tour event and you know you'd had a decent season was it easier against Q school with that bank of form behind you knowing that okay you've got challenge tour uh, status at least next year would that, would that would does that take the pressure off even a
2: little bit going so yeah going to Q school um, after knowing that I've still got challenge tour the season after cuz All I was doing, I knew that 26th place was no good at Q School. It meant nothing to me. So I I had Category 20 on the uh, main tour and Category 1 on the challenge tour for the 2019 uh, or 2020 season, Um, you know, regardless of whether I got my card. So I was playing for 25th place in terms of, you know, first to 25th or nothing you know 26 pace yes. was absolutely no good because it was behind what the category i had already so i knew what i had to do and i knew and i sort of i did say at the start of the week i'm i'm fairly good at, at, at knowing what the numbers are going to be and i did say at the start of the week you know if i shoot two under a day that'll be good enough okay
1: oh wow okay
2: and 12 under was was what i was finished on and that's what got me cards. so
1: yeah 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 brilliant
0: but that's the yeah. thing as well, isn't it? Is that people view q score sometimes as almost like a sprint to the finish. Like, ruck up as many birds as you can, when you can. Um, and, you know, because you need to go low because everyone else is going to do it. And it's just basically a sprint to the finish. But you've just said there that, that two under for the day mm. was a target. Um, that's not negative, is it? That's just that's just realistic of what it is that, that needs to get you in. And, and you know, because you're bound to, if you aim for that, you free yourself up a little bit. You make four under, five under certain rounds. That's fine. But... You've made you've made a piece in your head of what score would get you would get it done.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I always try and set myself like me and my coach always try and set myself goals of, you know, what do we think is going to win the tournament, or what do we think, you know, what's a good target this week? Um, You know, if you if you ask Johannes Veerman at the start of the week, um, or after the first two or three days of Q school uh, that he got his carded he'd have laughed at you because I think he was six over or something for the first two days and ended up shooting 67, 65 something the last two days and get his card, I think. Um, I played with Johannes the, uh, last week, I think. Um, but it's it's a funny old game and, you know, there's always stories that come out and um, luckily for me, it was one that I was on the right side of. Before we go
0: into this 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 final season you know, that you've just played, I just want to go back just slightly to to that victory you had in Belgium. And you shot one under on the opening day. 92nd place you were yep. after round one. Um, and then yep. you go on to shoot 22 under par from there. And I think, Laurie, you had to actually eagle one of the later holes to even tie in the playoff. I, I hate to say what changed, because, you know, that's a horrible thing to say, but what clicked from day one to the next three days of playing the way you did?
2: Um, I... Uh... Yeah, like you say, I shot one under on the first day. Um, and I made an eight on a par five, I think the fifth. Um, and I was, you know, the golf course was, it was re- it was obviously relatively easy, scoreable, there's a lot of wedges, it suited me down to the ground, really. Obviously, I was very disappointed to shoot one under. Um, and I was thinking, right, the cut's going to be like three or four, right, four or five under, potentially, you know, because it was so bunched, um, I think. I think Sebastian the shot ten under. I think the first day. Yeah. So um, I think I was nine behind after the first day and shot one under, and I was sort of scratching my head, going, <laughs> "Okay, so I'm this this far behind." Um, and then the second round, I was you know steady. I think I was one or two under through nine. I know that I needed to shoot two under on the back nine on the second day to make the cut. I knew I knew that's pretty much where I was at, um, and ended up shooting. 5 under on the back 9 and I think I finished uh yeah I was just cuz I was one under yeah so I was two under on the front 9 on the second day and then shot five under on the back 9 I think I eagled the par 5 11th and birdied three more holes coming in um and ended up shooting seven so at that point I was still probably I think I was like 25th or 30th or something maybe uh yep. even after even after the second day and i'm seven i think i was i might have been so what was i nine
0: i think you're,
2: i think i got it down to your 18th after the that's second like, yeah, day. Yeah, 10, yeah about 20th yeah um so i was nine under for eight under um, eight under yeah eight under for two rounds and then i sort of said right well let's just do it again and uh i sort of started solid played nicely you know didn't do too much wrong hold a few parts got my wedges into the right places and and ended up shooting another seven, and I was like, okay, this is you know, and then even I don't know where I was after that. So, so you're the... in tied seventh
0: place after three rounds, yeah. So, so you're three back going so into tides...
2: Sunday, yeah. So, I was three back going into Sunday, and I was thinking, right, well, I you know, it's gonna be I, like I say, I'm fairly good. I know that I think what was it, 19 or tw- 19 might have been leading, or tw- 19, 18 at that point. Yeah, it was
0: 18, Laurie was on. The three yes. of them were 18, Richard Mentz and Ross McGowan as well.
2: Yeah, so there you go. Um, 18 under. So I'm thinking, well, one of them's going to shoot five. Yeah. You know, I was thinking it's it's going to be 22 if I'm very lucky to get into a playoff. Or 23 is not going to be far away, you know. So I'm going to have to shoot eight under. So started solid. Um, and then I think, I think on the... I think I three putted the eighth made bogey um, and then I birded on the back nine I hit a nice nice made a nice birdie on 11 the par five then birdied 12 made a good up and down on the par three 13th and then hold about an eight footer on 14 for birdie hit a nine iron to about two foot on 15. So that was another birdie, and then 16 I parred, which was a tough little par three. 17 I hit driver straight down the middle and had 115 yards, perfect gap wedge for me. Put it to two feet, hold it, and I was thinking, right, okay, well I need to birdie the last to give myself a, you know, to give myself a chance. There was nothing else that I was thinking about. I was thinking, right, this is, you know, I've got to get a good drive down there, hit a nice drive, um, and then just flew it a bit long. I think on uh, long right of the green, and then I think on the Challenge Tour footage, I think uh, you might have seen it. I got up and down. And it was a really good up and down. The ball was at the flag was in a little gully. I put it to about a foot and a half and set the target of 23 under. And I was, you know, I wasn't sure whether it was going to be good enough or not at that point. Went and signed me card, um, which was about it's about pretty much three four hundred yards away from the uh, 18th green. So it's quite a wall. <laughs> uh and obviously i was you know third or fourth group from the last so there was still a few guys out there so by the time i'd, I'd uh gone and signed my card, i had a bit of time to spare i was sort of walking around in circles and then i thought well i walked down the 18th and i walked down the 18th and got about 100 yards from the green and i could see what was happening and i knew that laurie had to eagle the last i think to tie me um and uh I watched. I watched his put his shot into about 25 feet, and I was like, "Here we go." I was actually on the phone to—I can't remember if it was my parents or somebody—I was on the phone to, and then all of a sudden they. I didn't even need to tell them; they just heard the roar, and I was like, "Right, okay, got to go. See you later." Um, obviously, but I know I've known Laurie for years, um, and uh, I obviously went and said, "Look, well done, mate." you know, great putt, blah, blah, blah. And uh, obviously we went to the playoff. So by that point, I think I birdied six out of my last eight holes to get, you know, to finish nine, to finish 23 under, eight under for the day. And then we both birdied the first playoff hole. I had about a 12-footer, 15-footer for eagle, I think, and just raced it by and hold the one coming back. And then we both, uh, so we both made birdie, so we went back again uh lorry's a bit longer than me so he hit three wood um and i hit driver um and then i hit five iron i hit first i think uh no he hit first and flew the green went long i thought okay now's my chance and i think i hit five iron um to about 25 30 feet just short right of the hole um, and then he uh, 20, about 20 feet and he chipped up just outside of my ball and then he missed and then I rolled mine down to about a foot and obviously managed to hold that and uh, managed to get my first challenge to a victory which was um, extremely um, satisfying um, and I just remember coming you know at the uh, prize giving um, and afterwards Laurie said to me he said look down," he said I'm so happy for you. Um, you spent all your amateur career beating me, um, <laughs> and you know it's only a matter of time until you got um, you know, until you got to this level. Um, and uh, yeah, and I said that in my speech. I said, look, I'd like to thank obviously Laurie for you know saying a couple of words to me that mean a lot. And uh, but I managed to get him this time. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that was quite emotional for me, um, as you probably saw in the interview. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was an unbelievable
0: week. That's the thing. I think that, that one of the nicest things is that when your your sort of colleagues, if you like, recognise the journey you've been on because that's ten years after you've turned pro and okay, you've had some you've had some wins as you spoke about in the Jamaica Tour, Portugal. You know, you'd, you'd won at that level, but this was another level again for you, wasn't it? This is you trying to get yourself back to where you, obviously your talent belongs. Um, and, it, you know, there's no way you cannot get emotional about that, You know, whether it's on Challenge Tour, European Tour, PJs, or Majors, mm. whatever. You know, winning's winning, isn't it? And to do that against someone, like you say, that you grew up with, and to do it by shooting eight under on the final day. I mean, I know you said that you set yourself a target and you knew what you needed to do to win, but it's one thing knowing what you need to do, and then to go, to go and do it. I mean, I know you'd had two previously good rounds, you know, to build some confidence, but that's still a hell of an effort when the, when the title's on the line.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I totally agree. Um, it's just I like to, you know, like I said to you, when I'm playing well, I feel, um, you know, I get into a zone of um, pretty much tunnel vision, and I back myself, I back myself 100% uh, to get the job done. If I was in any position to win any golf tournament, whether it's against Tiger Woods or whether it's against Laurie Cantor or uh, you know anybody um and I, I i love being in the uh, in contention um you know and obviously going on to close house i love being in contention there i've thoroughly enjoyed myself and we'll probably talk about that also
0: yeah absolutely just before we get on so i want to talk because just the following week um after winning you then go to the open de Bretagne in france and you know you finished uh was, yeah. i think it was eighth there as well so obviously you can hold on to your form yeah. um is there something yeah. different about playing your first event as a winner at that level
2: um, yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit. I mean, probably by that point, it still hadn't sunk in, to be honest, even because it was drove straight down to, um, straight down from Belgium, uh, to Planof And, uh, sort of, yeah, I think I I played in that event before many years ago when I first turned pro. Um, so I did know the golf course a little bit. Again, it was a, it's a fiddly golf course, but it sort of suits me a little bit again, because it's quite windy on the coast and it's controlling your ball flight. Um, but yeah, playing as a winner, I, I tried not to. You know, I, I just tried to just do my process again and and play as uh, and play as well as I can, and uh, I tried not to think about that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go on to this this British Masters. And
0: so, as you as you've alluded to earlier in the podcast, you were struggling for the first few weeks out on the European tour. You know, in two thousand and twenty pandemic regardless of how we feel about it, what it's caused, it's horrible. It came at a great time for you personally to be able to work on your game. To come straight out then, um and shoot I think it was three under par on the first day, um, inside the top twenty. I think you're eighteenth after round one. That must be a good confidence booster to then help you kick on, which because you were sat second after two rounds, weren't you, that week?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean obviously I've never been to close house before, so a lot of the guys have played it before. Obviously, Lee Westwood's home track. Um, I when I got there, I you know the weather was okay. It was it wasn't the best, but it was you know it was it was nice. Um, was really confident with how I was playing. I was just out there because I was enjoying being back out on the golf course because I don't yeah. you know so many months at home hitting balls in a net. <laughs> um, just to be back out was nice. But yeah, obviously with you know the confidence and. And sort of new lease of life after being able to work on my technical side of things, it uh, it obviously worked out well and played a really solid, nice first 18 holes. And then the second day, I I played even better and held a few putts, and we were right in there, in the thick of things, really.
0: And like you 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 point to from from the earlier thing, when you're playing well, you then you know you get the the feeling for it, and you know sat just behind the leader I think it was, was it one behind you behind uh, Paratori uh, going into round three um, you know many people would probably go okay well I haven't seen Dale Whitmore for a while it's been a long time since he's been at this level I know he's won last year but for yourself personally you're like right well I'm well up for this now um, so you go and shoot three under on the third round and give yourself a chance going into the final day as well
2: yeah of course um, it was like I say it was a new experience for me being in the final group and being on the TV uh, pretty much every shot uh, knowing that the cameras were following us around. But it was something that I enjoyed and I knew that I was playing well, so it was a chance to sort of show what I can do. And, uh, you know, I didn't do too badly. I mean, I was obviously disappointed not to win. I felt that I had the had the game to win. I, I didn't play as good on the final day, but I stuck in, could have easily gone awry. And uh, obviously, the third round put me in contention. And uh, the second round, and you know, it was just, it was just a great experience to be there uh, at that time. It felt like the start of the season to me because obviously after the pandemic, it was um, with the break, it, it sort of was a new lease of life. Like I said,
0: yeah, absolutely. And you say that it was nice to show what you can do, and that you've, you're aware of the fact you're on the TV, you know, TV coverage, new experience. Well, the thing I wanted to ask about someone that's just come through the season like you have. What was the impact of having no fans there? Was there was that any impact to you at all? Did it make it easier when you're in contention, harder to get up for anything like that?
2: Uh, for me, it was quite simple. It was pretty much how I've been playing... Uh, for the last few years on on Jamaica tour, there's hardly yeah. any fans, um, which probably played to my strengths a little bit, I guess. Um, I said that into my interview. They said, "You know, what's it like playing with no fans?" I said, "That's no different to me. <laughs> uh, I haven't had, you know, I haven't had anybody come and watch me. So now all of a sudden, you know, if we if we do end up having fans, I might have a few, which would always be nice. Not the fact that I I don't want fans. It's just how I was comfortable. I think it it doesn't affect me obviously having no fans because it it's what i'm used to, it's what i was used to but i think it affects the guys that play off the crowd um especially at the top end um and you know you've hit a shot and there's no clapping and you think you've hit a good shot but you actually don't know until you get up there <laughs> yeah absolutely it, I'm- uh, you know you, you're waiting for the crowd you're waiting for the you know the clap and there's no clap and you're thinking oh is that is that in the bunker then or is it long <laughs> or is it in the water or where is it you know but um yeah that's that's probably you know and coming down the stretch obviously it's different and um, but for me it was it was pretty pretty similar
0: because one of the, the um ideas I kind of get and the impressions I get from someone like Rory McIlroy for another different you know top end of the scale he feeds off of that crowd i think he's a show-off so he likes the fact that you know when he hits he's one of these towering free into the green he loves the applause the claps he gets how do you think you're going to respond to because crowds should be back hopefully next season you know you get yourself into into contention at a top event how do you think i suppose it's difficult to predict because it's hard to know what it'd be like but do you think that was something that will get you well up for it? Because you obviously like being competitive and being in competition. I don't, I can't see someone that would would fold because you like just being there. Once you're playing well, like you say, you're confident. So, do you think you'll enjoy the aspects of doing that in front of a crowd for the first time?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you know, playing in the Open, I I, I was lucky enough to to be able to have the crowd. So it's not like I don't like the crowds. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there was plenty. We had a whole entourage of people when I qualified for the Open come up to uh royal living which was good and uh obviously the general public which came in and uh it's something that you know I, i i would have struggled if i was playing poorly but you know i feel like my games you know come on leaps and bounds this year playing playing again and traveling again and getting used to that um and yeah i mean the more the merrier i mean i'd be i think everybody would say they'd love fans to be back uh i think everybody would um so yeah it's something to look forward to and hopefully that will happen at some point yeah definitely jason
0: now you've got a couple of questions here for,
2: for
1: yeah just a couple i mean at close house you said it was your first run round there 64 second round which was the second best of the day um should the schedule be reasonably similar to this year um and judged on the way you sort of seem to repeat the form at various courses which i'll go on to in a minute can we um can we take it that we could put you up for close house next year so what i mean is really if it was to come on the schedule is that one that you would be looking at and going yeah i'm really up for that
2: 100 percent, without a okay. shadow of doubt um i mean yeah close house is it's one of those golf courses um obviously i played with uh, rasmus on the last day i think and uh, renato on the on the third day, I mean, I'm I'm the type of player where I'm not long. You know, I'm an average, probably short to average hitter uh, on the European Tour. I think I'm, I'm averaging at about 300, which is very average uh, in this day and age. Um, but if you look at around the golf courses where, you know, fairways hit and uh, strokes gained, putting and uh, around the green is something where I thrive. And close house was one of those courses where... I could hit driver and they can't hit driver because it goes too far and in and reaches the end of the fairway. With it. The fairway sort of run out at about 310, most of them at, at close house. So it was one of those things where it was not really an advantage to be long. You could just, you needed to be in play. And uh, from that point, you're going in with eight irons and nine irons and that's wedges and that's really where I'm, you know, where I'm strong. And, you know, if you look at the golf courses that I've won at, or you know competed well at Troya, that's a you know small greens tight fairways um Belgium was a you know a shortish golf course it was you know it's a bit more of a you know a put it into position and go from there rather than uh more of like an American style golf course um that's sort of a bomber's paradise it's not really my cup of tea
1: yeah, it's not really that you're not suited. It's just that others are more suited. It doesn't, Perhaps, really, it doesn't yeah. really play on your on your strengths yet. So we'll look out for you at sort of the trophy Hassan and uh, and uh, Valderrama yeah. and places like that. Yeah, have you played Valderrama? Uh, I've played
2: Valderrama loads of times, but that was the one one thing that I decided to have a week off this this year, um, and it was absolutely uh, blowing a gale. I mean, it would and, like, you know I was sat at home and I was thinking I needed a week off because I think I'd done six in a row or seven in a row, and I was like I need a week off um and at that point uh, i was sat at home and i was thinking you know what i'd absolutely love to be out there in this <laughs> but um i'd love to be out there with it blowing a and people shooting seven eight ten over mm. for fun. um but yeah when it gets tough that's when i'm sort of thrive really i think as well.
1: well it's my favorite golf course on the tour so um yeah i look forward to seeing you there um i mean we'll move yeah. i mean we'll move on through move on through the season you play two weeks at, um celtic manor um yeah, reasonable finishes, thirty-first and twenty-seventh. Good finishes again on the Sunday. Yeah, you got history of doing good finishes on the Sunday. Obviously, that's your uh, yeah. the Ryder Cup course. How did you find those two weeks? It's nice to have two weeks at the same course, is it? I presume because you can get used to it. You can play practice rounds. You're probably playing twelve rounds by the end of end of the second week.
2: Yeah, I mean it was different again. I, I I played Celtic Manor before, but not that golf course. I played the other one. Um, I played the other one in the Faldo series, where I think Rory probably, I think Rory played, Eddie Pepper played those guys when I was about sixteen, I think. Um, played at the other golf course, but I didn't play. Um, never played the 2010 course. Um, so it was the first experience for me there. That, but that, with it being two weeks in a row at the start, I thought mm, this is a bit weird, but. Um it actually they couldn't have planned it any better because the first week the weather was absolutely lovely, I think. Yeah. And then the second and we had a south easterly wind or something and the weather was pure. Got to the second week and it was dropped about ten degrees and it was north northwesterly wind and uh blowing a holey and uh chucking it down. So um it was yeah, it was quite funny because the golf course played completely differently, so it was it wasn't really playing the same golf course, which uh, which worked quite well for the tour. So, um, but no, it was I, I enjoyed Cowick Manor to be honest. I've not, I haven't been obviously, like I said, I hadn't been to that that exact golf course before, um, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was you know two solid weeks really.
1: Yeah, Belfry is. Um... Yeah, I mean first round seventy six you've got to come back from that in you know in quality field. Um, was that was that a letdown was it at all at any point like that?
2: Yeah it was a bit it was a bit disappointing. Um I don't know how many weeks in a row I'd had up until that point. Um how many I'd played, but I think five. five I think. So. Yeah, I think I was getting to the end of my tether. Uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of fitness wise and I, I don't know if i had a week off after that or not um i can't quite remember um or what was after that uh, yeah was you it? get
1: a week off and then you get to portugal
2: yeah so that was the valderrama week yeah was it yeah. yeah that makes sense um yeah i was just a bit i think i was a bit overdone i would played belfry before i hadn't i don't think i would played great round there and I, I think I was out. I think if I remember rightly, we, I played with a few, I think we got the side where it was really bad weather and I didn't finish my round because we was on the 10th green and it was flooded. And I think I was the guy that actually ended up making it get called off and we had to go in. It was ridiculously bad. The weather, um, I, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, I was looking forward to a bit of, you know, a bit of time off, to be honest. Um, and then, uh, yeah, week off and went on to Portugal and um, had a nice, solid week there. Played, played pretty solid. I can't really complain. I can't remember when I finished there. Twenty-four for something.
0: Yeah. yeah, yes, it's spot on. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So, with, with that uh, because
0: you're saying that you like a tough golf course. You like it when you get, the harder it gets, the better, sort of thing. You know, short game. That's the way it suits you. And then we, we look here and you twenty-four for the Portugal Masters. It was a t- it was playing tough that week, but it's generally a low-scoring event. Um, and then also just looking so there you finished 24th and, and keep the scoring well Italian Open 22nd which was really low scoring um what when you finish sort of top 25 then you spoke about earlier is, is it a case of like John you know they, they're good finishes for me on those golf courses because you know we saw a lot of players hitting you know par fives and tearing them apart the longer hitters and things like that and like you say is it hard to keep up scoring at those sort of golf courses for you
2: yeah, I mean uh, Portugal. I was quite happy with that. Uh, it, the the rough wasn't the rough wasn't ideal. I the, the struggle with certain types of rough, I think, uh, which which is something that I'm, I need to improve on, and that's partly why I'm out here to, in Florida to try and work on, you know, hitting the ball out the rough and even out the fairways. It's it's, it's a totally different, you know, the balls come out, the ball comes out the fairway, different. Just uh, you know, trying to sweep it off the top rather than clip it or. You know, trying to take a bigger divot. This sort of the grain on the on the fairways and as well as the greens. It's it takes a bit of getting used to. Um, but yeah, going back to uh, like the likes of Italy. I mean, I've got to take my hat off to Ross McGowan that week because that was an absolutely <laughs> unbelievable week. Like I know Ross fairly well, and uh, he's a he's a great guy. And I, you know, obviously, I was looking at the playoff thinking Ross and Laurie. I, it wouldn't above. You know, I was quite happy for either of them to win. I, well i don't want anybody to win but those guys would have been you know if they was up there they i would have been definitely you know i waited and congratulated ross on the last and uh it was uh that that how he won round there with with where he hit it as well especially on the last day was was something else um because that is that was it was a long golf course it was yeah. not easy um you know the scoring wasn't bad you know 20 under um, if somebody would have said twenty under at the uh, after the third day would have won, they'd have said no chance because they'd thought it'd have been twenty three, twenty four. But luckily, Ross and Laurie had a bit of a gap from what I remember um, ahead of the guys behind, so they could manage to shoot like maybe one under or level or something on the last one under, a couple under on the last day to end up winning. Um, but yeah, I mean, I actually shot a really nice round final day um, to finish, you know, twenty second or whatever I did there. Which I was, you know, I was quite happy, and that really gave me a good bit of confidence going into going into the weeks ahead, in, and obviously Cyprus.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. Is you finished with a 66 on that Sunday, which is one of the better rounds again of, of the day, which we seem to be a common theme of yours. Is that you do tend to take advantage of those Sundays because that is a thing that you know we, we uh, puns and that joke about sort of Matt Coochie used to go back into backdoor top tens all the times, and fin- when it, when it was just a paycheck, he would uh, he would ride into it. But you do seem to be that like. It's almost as if when people get to, if they're tied thirtieth or something after three rounds, they're a bit like I can't, you know, maybe can't be bothered. Don't put in so much effort. But it seems to be you'll go right until the end, and if your best round comes on the last day, then great, because as you just said, there it takes you straight into the Cyprus Open, where you had a great week.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, Cyprus was uh, first time I've been to Aphrodite Hills as well. Uh, one of the guys from my county is the head pro there, so uh, and it was. Um, it was a good week I mean the the facilities there and everything it was a the hotel was fantastic the food was fantastic the golf course was fantastic it was uh, it was a pleasure to be there and it was one of the best of the year in terms of facilities and golf course wise Um, and I uh, obviously played some nice golf again and I think I think the third day or the second day no it was the second day I think I had three bogeys in five holes on the back nine which was frustrating um, because they came from nowhere really. I was playing really solid and that sort of took me back a bit Um, but I still made the cut obviously and then third day I had a solid day and then last day I made a cut made some nice putts and birdied 16 and then made a good up and down on 18 for birdie and ended up finishing tied sixth um, which I was uh, obviously over the moon about uh, which you know it sort of you know solidified that I know that I can, you know, compete at this level because sometimes you still got that doubt whether you're, you know, whether you are good enough. But I I know that I am now. Um, It's just, you know, tidying up areas of weaknesses and, you know, gaining those one, two, three percents because you can't gain ten percent just like that. It's, you know, it's making one more six foot putt around or you know making one more up and down it's not it's not much it's, it doesn't take much to get into the top the top 5 or win a tournament compared to finishing 30 if there's not really much there at all that's it and you
0: go into after the third round you go into the final round three behind again as you were um, going into into Belgium so when you would on the challenge tour so probably a nice familiar position for yourself to be in giving yourself a chance and you know, you shoot 65 on that final day, do everything probably that you possibly could, and it's just a case of Callum was one ahead of you going into the final round and shot a 63 and shot a couple of better. You know, I think like you say, sometimes results are better than okay. Some people could look at it as you didn't you didn't win or you didn't you know you had a chance to win and didn't. But to me, it's like well you <laughs> you shot 65, done everything you could, put it out there. It was a low scoring day for everybody, and it's just probably a case of one or two putts here and there that that could have changed you know the outcome
2: maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's not many people that shoot 70 on the final day and win a golf tournament, especially this day and age. Um, so, you know, you've got to go out and shoot a decent score to win a golf tournament, Whether you're even if you are one in front or two in front. You know, 70 probably, more often than not, doesn't get it done um, at most courses that you play at. So, uh, you know, I try to, you know, you've got to be aggressive, but at the same time, you've got to be smart and not stupid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jason, I've got a question here for, for the Cypress Open as well. Yeah.
1: But first of all, yeah, I mean the Cyprus Open, obviously, so, you know the top lot um, are big hitters off the uh, off the tee as well, which was the advantage down uh, 18 for sure, um, where they yes. could all reach. Um, obviously, we saw that in the playoff uh, as well. Um, so that, that's a terrific performance. I mean your putting stats on the final two days are absolutely fantastic, and, and as you've said, you know we're now well aware of um, you know your qualities and where where the sort of where the course will suit you, um, and given. We've said about Wales and given we've said all the time about the same courses popping out in your career, that missed cut the week after at the same gaff. I know it was, a different, um, it was a different tournament and, and you know, it was top 32, et cetera, et cetera. But that must have come as a bit of a surprise, really, given how, how well you perceive uh, perceived Cyprus and how well you're playing.
2: Yeah, it was a little bit. Uh, I was disappointed, to be honest, because obviously going off quite a high, finishing, you know, inside the top 10 and, and playing really solid to um i think i probably tried probably changed my i don't know why but probably changed my outlook of it because it was the top 32 that got through to the match play uh, and it was something where in hindsight i probably just should have just stuck to the process that i normally do um and you know coming down the stretch i was i was close and then i just had to go for a couple of shots and ended up finishing like bogey bogey double par or something to you know to miss by quite a few in the end Um, I think I finished one over or something and I think it was like five or six under that got in. So, um, I I think, yeah, it was, it was disappointing because that sort that format would actually suit me down to the ground because if you get into that final part, all you've got to do is beat half the people. Hmm. You know, half the people on Saturday pretty much to get through to a Sunday showdown where you shoot one good round and you've won a golf tournament. It's it's that that sort of thing would be my cup of tea. It was just a shame that unfortunately I couldn't put it together for the first two days.
0: That was the thing I was going to say is that like going looking at your career, and, you know, especially in the last couple of years, you've sort of almost grown into an event. It happened at the British Masters. You had a couple of good rounds, um, and then again in you know the, that Cyprus week, you, you gradually got better each day, and and maybe it was a case of you, you got away from what's been so you know loyal to you in the sense that you know you normally you had a set a target each day, and this time it was a case of trying to fire at too many pins or try and go too low a race to the it's finish a little right? bit early because do you think yeah probably like, a lot of people, a, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are appraised that format and were, were quite uh interested with the change and like you said there the, the format would actually suit you because you tend to go low scoring at the weekend everyone's reset so it's all equal fitting do you think if it if it came back on the schedule you'd be you'd be happy with that format and go back to sort of a similar tactic before yes but
2: it wouldn't me yeah. It probably didn't bother me really, to be honest. Um, it was different. It was, uh, you know, it, it arguably, you know, the first week where I finished sixth, the guy who won it, Callum, would have won it the second week. Yeah. You know, it. It. it funnily enough, it worked out that way. Now the second week didn't because Johannes would have won it because he was twenty one under, I think, for the four yeah, days, yeah. Um, which you probably know anyway um but uh yeah he you know johannes has got to be a bit unlucky to finish wherever <laughs> in the end um because he's shot the lowest lowest rounds of, in four rounds um for the tournament and didn't walk away with the winner's check or the trophy so <laughs> he's yeah, got absolutely about that but um yeah i mean it's you know we're always open to trying new things to you know to try and get the game better i guess and introduce different ways to improve
0: what was the mood like then going into those final three events in south africa was it you know obviously you come off that miscut at the showdown maybe a little bit disappointed with yourself after such a good week was it a case of like you could see the end of the season in sight and were maybe ready to to, to have a break was there any of that feelings or were you ready just to take the tournaments as they came
2: uh i think I, think, well, I had a week off, I think, in line between, yeah, Cyprus yeah. and South Africa, which was nice to reset. Um, but all I was thinking was I, was I couldn't wait to get back to Leopard Creek. I, I, that is, <laughs> It's my favourite place in the world, really, golf-wise. Um, I love it there. Um, you know, not just for the golf, just for everything. Um, but the golf is obviously uh, absolutely top class um, the whole week. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I know that the, coming to the end of the season I was – you know, I was looking forward to the end of the season, but at the same time, you know, I was enjoy- I was going to obviously enjoy the last three weeks. Uh, I don't mind going to South Africa. Some of the guys don't go. Some of the guys don't particularly like it. I mean, I, I like it. I like going to South Africa. It's somewhere where I enjoy going to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, obviously the first two weeks were solid and I played poorly on the last week. I think it was, uh, you know, a case of, you know, probably looking towards the end of the season and thinking I've got a bit of time off now. So, um, and then obviously thinking about coming to America for for the Christmas and New Year and um, having some bit of time off as well as uh, working on a bit of strength and conditioning and, and some uh, doing some decent practice to prepare for next season, um, which we're not sure of what the schedule is until next week, I think.
0: Yes, it's all to be revealed, isn't it? Uh, Jason, you got any other questions about that South African uh, swing there?
1: No, I mean, I mean, as a, as a viewer, I mean, we, we absolutely love it. And, and it's every single person that plays Leopard Creek seems to come away singing the praises. So that looks like being on the schedule of an awful lot of European tour players. Yeah, but, yeah I mean, I, I just noticed, that, um, interestingly, after that close call at uh, Q School, I know that we've got no cards this year or anything like that, or demotion or anything like that but you've actually finished 114th on the race to Dubai, right? Which is yeah, uh, one yeah. place above 150. Um, so you love it, don't you? You love it running close. to your playoff yeah. finishes, playoff wins. Guys, um, yeah, uh, you know, good life, mate. Yeah, well done. Yeah.
2: You know. uh, in, uh, in a yeah nutshell, I suppose I wish they would have, uh, you know, not had to uh, keep my card. So I could have uh, got category 10 now instead of category uh, 17. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if I can... Year,
1: then I can definitely do it next year. So, when well, there's That's lots it. of the
2: work, yeah,
1: there's loads there, isn't there? I mean, yeah, you know, loads it's, it's of yeah,
0: so. yeah, great. Yeah, how important is it now? Obviously, because you've seen what your game can do at the level you've played at. You've, you've, like you said, you solidified you had that top four finish at the British Masters, then you really solidified that in, in Cyprus. You play well in Italy, so you know the foundations there now as your game is at the moment. You've just spoken about strength and conditioning, which is obviously important how and and we've seen it with so many different players now how easy is it or how tempting is it to get away and try and pursue distance because you've mentioned a couple of times that there's people that are longer on tour and is that something that's even in your mind or are you just you just really now now you've got to the stage where you are don't want to get away from your game
2: um it's another good question i think i think with the the whole the way the game's going and the distance and all that sort of stuff i mean i i'm quite happy to accept the fact that i'm never going to be able to hit it 350 yards you know like (laughs) it's quite simple i mean as far as i'm aware you've either got it or you haven't in terms of length um and you know like bryson has been long you can gain a percentage on what you on what you hit the ball. Um, but I don't think somebody who hits it 270 can all of a sudden hit it 350. That's, uh, I, I think, um, the way I'm built um, is one thing. I mean, I'm just over 10 stone, pretty much six foot tall. So I'm not, I'm not big. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about, you know, I'm quite wiry. Um, I mean, I carry the ball 200 and probably 280, uh, you know, with swing speed of about 110, which will be below average um but it's uh i mean for me going back to horses for courses that sort of stuff that is where i'm gonna look at next year and really plot down and target specific golf tournaments which is where i'm i'm gonna be basing my schedule around and uh luckily enough i've managed to play some golf courses where i've learned some more about and ones that would suit me more than others and that is Really, what I'm going to be looking at, and obviously just improving slightly on the ones that don't suit me as much. I mean, like I said to you, if I can, you know, if I can finish top 35 in the tournaments that don't suit me as much, then that's not so bad.
1: Do you feel sorry, Dal? To interrupt, do you feel sorry. that comes with all that experience that you've got? Because we look at somebody like Matteo Manessero, who went after Link, that like what in his early 20s, and well, you know, killed it. I mean, destroyed what he had. Um, because he was searching for something that he may not have been built to to have um, but because obviously you've had that experience you've been there um, you now know what suits you and that's 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 the right attitude to have in my view but has that come with experience rather been thrust in the limelight at 18 or whatever he was
2: yeah I mean I think I think that when you get on tour and, you know, you know, having like for Matteo, like I grew up playing amateur golf with Matteo, yeah. uh, European, European boys and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think coming out and playing on tour, you, you've got the option for so many different A coaches, B gadgets and, you know, see yeah. what you want to, what you actually want to achieve. Like, like I say, you can't, nothing's good. You're not going to improve 10% just like that. um, and, you know, you've got to be able to have faith in your own ability, I think, and, and have the um, resilience that you can do it yourself rather than there's no magic cure to a golf swing. You know, if you're struggling that bad, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and, you know, see this coach or use this gadget or, you know, pursue this pursue this way. I mean, the people of, you know, Mateo Manasero got to where he's got Got to where he was because of hard work, and he's believed in himself. Then all of a sudden, he's had the opportunity to use other things, and you know, pursue distance and all that stuff. It's, I, I think him, and I think Martin Keown is another one. I think he's now realised that you know he's starting to play some good golf now because he's going back because he was trying to gain some distance yeah. or trying to use, trying to hit a draw. I think you know to try and win the Masters, and that and look how that turned out. Yeah. So um, I think. You know, you've just got to believe in yourself, and yeah, there's going to be some places where it's going to be more difficult for you to do well. But you know, you don't win much in golf at all. You know, like if you look at, you know, golf is the hardest sport to win. You, you get used to losing. So, um, but losing is not so bad. Um, so yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I think that one of the things I really liked what you said there is that, and what I wanted to focus on before we before we go here, we'll taking of your time. But this was your first full run at the european tour and and now where you've missed that you didn't miss that many cuts when you consider the season you've had and and being uh you know your first full season you've got the opportunity now to turn those missed cuts into you know 30th thirty 40th place finishes which you know some weeks like you say are fine they don't suit you you've already circled two courses there you know the Beckford british masters uh which no matter what course it's going to be out will probably suit you you know that's a chance to win if we go back to Aphrodite Hills, which I think we may do, that's you know another chance. There's probably another couple, like you say, Portugal, you play well, Italy, you played well, that yeah. you, you know, you can realistically expect to go well. Is it a case of there's probably three or four times a year where you can go, right, well, I'll get up for that, and that really is my opportunity to to win for a season. And then yeah. oh, it's just about changing those miscuts into um, like you say, just top thirties, top forties, and just keep momentum going so that you can just see good things going into the next week.
2: Yeah, hundred um, percent. Like I said to you in in uh, Cyprus, I, I was next to Matt Southgate, and obviously Matt's from my county, just down the road. Uh, and I talked to him a lot about my golf, and he was, you know, he was the first one to send me a message, pretty much, to say, "Well done I've been on winning on Challenge Tour last year," blah blah blah, getting my card, all this stuff. And he's uh, he said to me like numerous times, he said, "Look," he said that he is the best player at playing badly and finishing in the top 35 40. Yeah. And you know, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of respect for that and you know, he says there's guys out there, you know, rip it, do this, do that, move the ball. He says he can play badly and finish, you know, in the top top 40? And he said and that is where it's at. That is where you've got to be better at, you know, and that's something that I'll always, you know, I respect Matt. I've grown up with Matt and in he's, he's done some things in his career that uh, are uh, amazing really as far as I'm concerned um, and uh, yeah just getting better at you know playing badly if you can play badly and still finish inside the top 40 then then I don't think you're gonna have a bad career
0: yeah I like that so I think that's the thing isn't it is, is just getting it round it is because because sometimes missing the cut and missing it by five or six shots is can be a hell of demoralizing if you can just you Know even when you're playing badly, get around in a 73 72 and, and make that cut yes. and, and, and finish. You know, yeah. then you can say, Well, this is me at my worst, and and what can I do when yeah. it starts to click? If you have a good practice round on a Monday, if you have a good brain session, then you can go in there full of beans and, and full of confidence and take that on. Uh, Jason, I know you've got one more point, then I'm, I'm gonna let Dale go because obviously he's uh, we've taken up enough of his time, <laughs> it's been here a little while, right. yes, yes,
1: sorry, yeah. I mean, no, look, just just, I mean, I'm from Essex as well, I'm in Romford. Um, I've played five lakes as well. Um, very, very badly. A lot worse than you, Dale. Um, so, you know, look, we're cheering you on for the season. It's been a fantastic year for you. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know, myself and Tom and, and the pod will be, he'll be cheering you on and hope to see you uh, lots more, you know, lots more top fives and hopefully the win, you know, when we get the schedule. Uh, one more thing, Ross Spurgeon, yeah. who I believe you know, he says hello as well. Um, yeah, I know. Awesome. Yeah, I know
2: awesome.
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's it, really. I just, I just want to... I just want to thank you for for, for your time, really, Dawa, and um, you know appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem, Jace. no problem, Tom. Um, if you're ever about, Jace, I'm I'm living actually, so um, oh, yes. I uh, yeah I practice at um, I practice at Condon Park uh, when I'm at home, which is uh, in Billericay, really way. Um, but yeah, if ever you're about and fancy a drink, uh, hopefully COVID approved, then uh, let me know, and I'm oh, if you um, want if
0: some, if you want some confidence boosting, it's good to play around a golf with Jason. Um, don't watch it too closely because that might put you off. <laughs> you might, you might get close okay. the shanks or something. But look, I'm only over the over the bridge in, in Kent as well, so we'll we'll get together, we'll have yeah, a, we'll have a drink I'm... and we'll celebrate sure. we'll celebrate the season because I think what what's really nice for us is that I don't think many people, and this is the main point of the podcast was to realise the journey it takes to go and we hear that all the time don't we you know the journey I've been on the journey they've been on but some people have really gone from different lengths of, of, of careers and, and you've gone not to the bottom but you've gone to you've, you've dipped from where you didn't want to be and, and maybe didn't expect to be and got yourself right back to, to where you hoped to be 10 years ago um, it's, it's from hard work and commitment to it so well done for that um, thank you for joining us and Willett, we'll catch up soon it's a pleasure guys thanks very much